Um, our Bible reading today is... I'm going to move this over so it doesn't look so awkward. Um, our Bible reading today is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 to 12a. Um, it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Um, so we have guest speaker today, which is really exciting. We love Luke speaking, but it's always nice to have a guest speaker. Um, it's Zach Gagler, and he's, did I say that right? I got it right, yeah, from um, Alpha. Um, I'm a massive fan of Alpha. It's always really exciting when we run it. Um, and if you ever get a chance to or get invited to be a leader on Alpha, um, do it because it's a really faith-stretching experience and always incredible, really incredible. Um, now, I am supposed to introduce Zach, but I um, don't know Zach from a bar of soap. Um, so I thought I would kind of let him introduce himself, but that means, of course, that I'm going to tell you what's on his Instagram feed. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's looking nervous now. <laughs> so he's apparently, you can correct me on these, he's married to Claire and they have two boys, is that right? Okay. He owns an eagle's hat, so make of that what you will. I'm sorry, uh, Dockers fans, please just hear him out, okay? Um, earlier this year, he finished some pretty sweet decking around a jacaranda tree at his house. Um, looks pretty nice. Um <laughs> And um, he left a oh, – there's, there's a whole lot more I could tell you, but I won't. Um, he left a pastoral role of um, about 15 years, about a year and a half ago, to join Alpha, and he's going to tell us more about that himself, I'm sure. So do you want to come up here, Zach, and I'll pray for you. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Amazing. Thank you. So Great you. introduction. <laughs> Loved it. Anything else you got on my uh, Instagram feed? I do, but I won't reveal. Let's not go People there. People can go look for it we'll themselves. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, look, I am an Eagles supporter, and please pray for me. Pray for sad us. Time, sad it was time. It was a bad day yesterday, another bad day. And even the Waffle team lost again. Well, actually, they drew. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's anyway. pray for Zach. Anyway, let's pray for Zach. Lord, thank you for Zach. Thank you for him giving up his time to come here today. Lord, it is a real blessing to hear from him. Lord, please give him the words you want him to say. Amen. 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 How are you? Good. Great to be with you. And thanks for the uh, warm welcome and the jokes. I love it. Um, I'm just going to move a bit more forward. I wonder what's happening in the front row here. It's like danger zone or something. 
Yep. So as been shared, uh, I was a pastor for 15 years um, on staff at a church called Riverview Church in Burswood. Um, great privilege to be part of the team there for many years under many different leaders with lots of different theology and um, been to Bible college myself and a real privilege to serve the Lord in that way. But God called me out of that season into a space with Alpha. And so I've been with Alpha 18 months and it's been a great privilege actually just to be serving God through Alpha. Um, just last year, we've had 80,000 Australians do Alpha in one year around the nation. And it's phenomenal. Um, young people are coming to faith in Jesus. They're leading their friends to faith in school. Uh, people are coming to faith all around the country in churches and through churches. Um, and just a massive um, warm welcome from Melinda, um, the head of Alpha in Australia. I told her that I'm preaching here today and she wanted to make sure she passed on her best wishes and regards and is so grateful for you as a church who run Alpha. Um, and uh, like has been said, I have a beautiful wife, Claire, and two boys, Judah and Felix, who are sports mad as well. They're also Eagles supporters, so our house needs a lot of prayer at the moment. Um, but constantly we're just in disappointment, that's the truth. And watching Fremantle have a great time. Um, pray for better days. I'm also a sports chaplain, so I'm a chaplain at Perth Football Club. Um, also known the Perth Demons. So again, we pray in that space and uh, believe the Lord has taken me in there for a reason. Um, now, you're in a, se- a series called The Better Way. And uh, I was grappling with what to preach about, the better way, Jesus's better way. What does Jesus want for our lives? It is a better way than what the world offers. As we've already heard that we've sung in our songs this morning, that, that um, our prayer was so beautifully led in that. The better way... Um, Um, You've heard the better way of waiting, the better way of simplicity, the way of simplicity, the way of trust, the way of reconciliation. These are some of the messages you've heard recently that I've been listening to in preparation for today. Well, today I want to speak to you about the way of blessing, the way of blessing. You know, the blessing of God, I believe, is available for every believer to receive and to walk in. Um, Everyone who seeks God's kingdom is able to receive His blessing. You are blessed. Tell the person next to you, you're blessed. You're blessed. Now, just because we're blessed doesn't mean that life is always perfect, right? Blessing doesn't mean necessarily wealth, health and prosperity. Um, I think we've done a poor job in reality in the church, haven't we, of preaching this type of gospel that would claim that God's blessing means no problems in life. (laughs) Well, we all know that that's just not possible. And it's not biblical, that's for sure. God's prosperity doesn't mean no problems. It means God's blessing and prosperity in our inner world in the midst of our problems. And that's the truth of God's blessing for our lives. Jesus taught us about this, that it's not so much about external conditions in our world, but the internal conditions of our heart. And Jesus most um, best explained this way of life, this way of operating in God's kingdom and walking in His blessing in the Sermon on the Mount that we just read and that we just heard explained. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus gathered a whole bunch of people on a mountainside and He sat down and He began to open His heart to them and explain to them. Um, A couple of thoughts there about what Jesus is doing. I love Jesus's posture. He sits down. Now, that might seem really casual to us in our you know, worldview, that he's just kind of taking a seat, sitting on a stool, like preaching on a stool or something. It's so casual. 
But truthfully, in that ancient worldview, when a rabbi would sit down, they were about to say something of extreme and vital importance. And so Jesus sitting down on the mountainside is not a casual posture. It's a posture of, I'm about to drop a truth bomb for you all. Okay, the second observation of Jesus sitting on the mountainside is I love how he pours out his heart. Um, Jesus reframes all of the problems that are happening in front of him. Jesus is inherently pastoral. The people that had come to him at the Sermon on the Mount were facing all sorts of oppression and manipulation from the rulers. They were being oppressed by the people that they were under. And Jesus reframes all of their human problems, all the things that they were facing. And instead, he starts every sentence of this passage with the word, you are blessed. Blessed are you in the Greek, it says. That word blessed is the Greek word marikos. I think we have that, which means the privileged recipient of God's favor. Or I love this definition, spiritually prosperous, regardless of outward conditions. Spiritually prosperous, regardless of outward conditions. That, my friends, is truly what it means to be blessed to walk in the way of blessing. Jesus, in other words, is teaching us how to live a blessed life when life is full of circumstances we can't control. Anyone else need that kind of blessing in our life? Like, you know, when, when everything, when all hell is breaking loose, when the eagles are constantly losing, when everything's going wrong in our life, in our relationships, in our work, in our finances, I mean, interest, like how do we live a blessed life in the midst of that? Jesus is teaching us how to have kingdom perspective, how to have kingdom attitude, how to have kingdom resilience. And that is the way of blessing. Billy Graham famously called this passage, the Beatitudes, Jesus's beautiful attitudes. And so today I just want to walk through these eight beautiful attitudes of Jesus that result in the blessed way of life. First, let's pray. God, we pray as we open your word. Would you speak to us? Would you illuminate your truth to us? Thank you that your word never returns void. And uh, it achieves all that you have sent it to accomplish. And so we pray this morning, as we look at this, as we expound this passage, would you speak to us? Would you help us live your way, the better way, in Jesus' name? Amen. The first attitude of Jesus is he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the attitude we must adopt to live the blessed way of life is to be spiritually desperate for God. Spiritually desperate for God. The word poor means begging or dependent on others for support. Here it means to be brought low or weakened to the point of realizing the need for Jesus. Um, That's why Eugene Peterson in the message uh, paraphrase or translation says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope because there you'll find Jesus. It's like blessed when you are brought low to recognizing your need for God. Now, I find this so challenging, if I'm honest. Um, I rarely get on my knees, if I'm honest with you, before God until things get really bad. (laughs) It's like the situations in life bring me to my knees. But Jesus is teaching us here that um, coming to God in desperate need for Him isn't a lever to pull in bad times, but it's a lifestyle for all times. 
To be dependent on God is a way to be blessed in life and to walk in His blessing. The blessed ones are those who rely on God, not because of external conditions, but because we know that we need Him, that we can't survive without Him. Jesus is explaining that spiritual poverty is the opposite of spiritual pride. Spiritual pride is to say, I've lived a good life, a moral life, an upright life. I've done everything right. I've followed His commandments. But spiritual poverty is to look deep within ourselves and our world and recognize our need for God, right? Anyone have a need for God, to be spiritually desperate for God? It's to embody the song, Amazing Grace, on the daily. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Right? Spiritual poverty rather than spiritual pride is how we receive God's blessing. Our understanding is that blessed are the poor in spirit, that we desperately need God. Um, The second attitude that Jesus teaches us here is to weep over our condition, to weep over our condition. Jesus says in verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, I love a good cry. Anyone else a crier? Like I watch a Disney movie like Wally, and I'm just tears the whole time. I'm constantly crying. I'm quite, I guess, um, emotional. My wife will often walk in and I'm watching some show and she's like, what's wrong with you? So emotional. I thought, oh, no. Um, but this is not the kind of crying that Jesus is talking about, right? He's, he's not talking about some emotional, um, manipulative kind of cry that where our, where our heart is moved almost with compassion. What he's talking about are blessed are those who are mourn. He's not talking about personality. He's talking about weeping over the broken state of our world and the broken state of, of the things around us. Um, listen, it's not wrong to mourn those who you've lost or those who you love. Jesus is validating that as a response. Jesus himself mourned. He, he himself wept. He wept at hearing the sound, um, the, hearing the news of his death, of, of Lazarus' death, sorry, in John 11. Um, Paul in Romans 12 calls us to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. So mourning, um, being moved to emotion because of what's happening around us is something that Jesus is wanting to validate as a kingdom response. Joyce Meyer once said, it's almost worth having a problem in order to experience God's comfort. (laughs) God's comfort is so good that it's almost worth having a problem. And this is the promise to those who mourn is that God's comfort is the blessing that He provides. In the midst of our mourning, we are never alone. Amen. We prayed earlier, come Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit is called God's comforter. Okay, and so we are comforted in our mourning. Blessed are those who mourn. You know, sometimes if I'm honest, I fall into the trap of what I would call escapism. I use God's statements or spiritual verses Um, that I'm an overcomer, that it's going to be all right, that all of that to kind of just squash the emotion deep within my heart. But the truth is, Jesus is not teaching us to hide any emotion. He's teaching us that He is Lord of the mountain and He's Lord of the valley. Amen? That He's Lord of it all, that when times are great, when times are poor, blessed are those who mourn. As the Christian writer Rob Rema once said, we must empty out the suitcase of our soul before God. Otherwise, we'll end up with a soul full of disappointment. Blessed are those who mourn is God's invitation to bring our hurts, to bring our pains, to bring what's affected us this week to Him. 
and to be with him in that. That is the way of blessing, to weep over our condition because God heals and comforts our hearts. Amen? The third attitude Jesus is teaching us here is to be content with who you are. Jesus says in verse 5, blessed are the meek, meek. The Greek word meek means gentle, considerate, unassuming. It means showing kindness and love for others. It's the opposite of arrogance and self-seeking. Meekness is the opposite of arrogance or self-seeking. It means to be broken, not in the sense of like broken glass that's been shattered. I think we have this concept of meekness like we're just a constant doormat that people can just kind of trample on. But the the idea of meekness in the Bible is more like a horse that is under control, a horse that is broken and tamed, a horse that is under the control of its master, if you like. Meekness means to be under authority or under control. I wonder, you know, how does meekness play out in your life? Um, how do you react when someone cuts you off in traffic? <laughs> how do, what, what comes out of your mouth or what goes on in your mind? Um, how do you react when your wife, i.e. my wife, came home yesterday and bought something quite extravagant that we didn't plan? How do I react to that? Is there a meek response? Is there an under control or do I fly off the handle and let her know what I really think? I'll leave that to your imagination as to what I did. Is your anger under control? Is your speech under your control? Are your thoughts under control? This is the way of blessing, to live a meek life, to be under control. Jesus himself lived this way. He was under control. He was under control not only to God and submitted to God, but he also submitted himself to the rulers of the day, ultimately to Pilate, even to death on a cross. He lived a meek life under control. You know, this concept was so countercultural to the people that Jesus was talking to. In fact, they were coming to him on that mountainside that day to say, Jesus, we don't want to live under control of these people. And Jesus instead says, you're blessed when you're meek. I mean, that would have been so contradictory for them to understand. And I think it's also contradictory to us today. We don't want to live a meek life, but Jesus calls us to great surrender. And in that place of great surrender, we receive great strength and divine supply. Listen to this from A.W. Tozer. I think we have a quote here from him. Nope, we don't have that. Oh, we do. This is a long quote. Let me read it. A meek man is not a human mouse afflicted by a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson. But he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows that he is weak and helpless as God has declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that in the sight of God, he is more important than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. I love that. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. As the message translation puts it, you're blessed when you're content with who you are. No more no less. In yourself, nothing, but in God, everything. Blessed are the meek. The fourth attitude of Jesus, the way of blessing, is to be hungry for God. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Him, for righteousness, for God Himself. You know, this kind of thirst that Jesus is talking about 
is not the kind of hunger that comes from missing a meal or the kind of thirst that comes from manual labour. Yesterday, I was doing a bunch of jobs around the house and I was putting up some screens around our backyard and I was working super hard and I was starting to get lightheaded. I was so thirsty for a drink. I didn't drink in hours and I was uh, sweating even though it was raining. You know, all I can imagine was a drink. That's the kind of thirst, I guess, that, you know, the only thing you can imagine is water. And uh, that's the kind of thirst that Jesus is talking about, but not in the natural, in the spiritual. This kind of hunger and thirst for God, that He's the only one that you can imagine and the only one that you can think about. This is the kind of thirst that Jesus talks about uh, with the Samaritan woman in John 4, if you remember. She thirsted for natural water, but Jesus tapped into the thirst within us, right? He says, anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty, but if you drink the water I give, you'll never be thirsty again. But Jesus is calling us here to pursue a relationship with God as our number one priority in life. You're blessed when you hunger for God. When was the last time you spent time with God? Not here in church, hearing a message, but when was the last time you opened the Scriptures for yourself? I'm sure all of you, it's every day and all of that. But the encouragement here is to live a blessed life, to get the sustenance you need for each day from God. Blessed are you when you're hungry because He's more than ready to supply your every need. Our daily bread, right? Not our once a week bread, our daily bread. Uh, We are blessed when we come to God with hunger and thirst for Him. The fifth attitude is to receive forgiveness and be merciful. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This is a call from Jesus that we shouldn't give people what they deserve, but we should give them what they don't deserve. Think about that for a moment. Give people what they don't deserve. You know, there's lots of moments in my life, if I'm honest, where I'm like, well, they deserve it. They've got what is coming to them. You know, someone treated me poorly or whatever, and things didn't work out for them. And often our natural human reaction is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? But Jesus is explaining here the blessed way of the kingdom is to give people what they don't deserve, to give them mercy, to extend mercy. As we just prayed, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's to extend mercy. Jesus calls us to extend that same kind of mercy that has been received by us from God. As C.S. Lewis once said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Wow. To extend mercy. I would urge you to look deep within here. If I'm honest in my relationships, often when there's a conflict or I have to extend forgiveness and mercy, I really sometimes struggle to extend that. And I put on what I would call a mask of mercy, (laughs) where I kind of just pretend that everything's fine, but I don't actually truly extend mercy to the other person. Jesus is saying here that blessed are those who extend mercy, not pretend mercy, but extend it. Yeah? And so we've got to make sure that we don't live life in duplicity in that way. There's no room for that kind of duplicity to live a blessed life under God. Instead, we want to extend forgiveness and mercy because God has forgiven that within us. So when was the last time you forgave someone? 
Maybe there's someone on your mind right now that the Lord by His Spirit is bringing to mind that you might just need to send a text today or give a call and just extend that mercy and forgiveness towards someone. Blessed are the merciful because they will be shown mercy, Jesus says. Sixth attitude. We're almost there. Two more. How are we going? Okay. Sixth attitude is to be completely sincere. Jesus says you're blessed when you get your inside world your mind, your heart put right. You know, our world is absolutely obsessed with image management, isn't it? I mean, there's just a new social media platform, Threads, that just got launched in the last couple of days. And it's all again about presenting an image of yourself, a projection of yourself into the outer world. We're constantly managing and manipulating our image in the world we live in increasingly more. Jesus here is addressing that very principle and that problem in our world and saying, no, no, blessed are those who walk in integrity. Blessed are those who are pure hearted. Blessed are those who are the same on and off the platform, on and on the mountainside and off the mountainside. Blessed are those who are the same at work and at home. Blessed are those who are the same person with your kids and with your colleagues. Blessed are you if you're the same person at the footy talking to the umpires as you are with your family. Blessed when your inner and outer world match up. You are blessed. God, in other words, is into integrity. It reminds me of a story I heard recently in the New York Times. Um, A guy called Noah Maroff, who's a rabbi and a teacher from a private Jewish school, was looking for a new desk for his office. This was in COVID. Um, And so he had to set up a, a desk at home in his house. And so he didn't want to buy a new one. He just thought, I'll just get a secondhand desk. And so he went on, um, you know, Craigslist, which is like our, um, what do you call it, Gumtree or Facebook Marketplace. And um, he got a secondhand desk for $150 um, from an older lady just down the neighborhood um, in Connecticut. And uh, he, he went to get the desk, he brought it home, but to get it through the door, he had to break the desk apart. So he had to undo the desk. And as he undid it, he um, put it into the room, undone, and then started to put it together. And he noticed this little secret compartment inside the desk. And he opened the secret compartment. And inside this secret compartment was $98,000. $98,000. Noah thought, whoo, I've made it. What was so astounding about this story and why it made the news is Noah, instead of claiming the money from $150 of a second-hand desk that he rightfully bought, instead he immediately got on the phone and called this older lady and said, excuse me, ma'am, I think you've left some money in your desk. She said, oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, it was an inheritance gift I received and I put it in the desk for safekeeping. Thank you so much for that. And the news um, people, they all sent cameras around to Noah's house to capture his reaction. Why would he give back $100,000 when he rightfully bought the desk? Well, Noah said this. He said, we both agreed, my wife and I, that this is not our money. If God wants us to have $98,000, he'll get it to us in some other way. Wow. Isn't that pure hearted, hey? Isn't that beautiful? When you hear it, some of you are thinking, I would have taken the money. But hey, isn't that beautifully pure hearted? Isn't that beautiful integrity? You know, part of the challenge with integrity is that old saying, I think, where it says integrity is acting with consistency even when no one is watching. The problem with that statement is that someone's always watching. God's always watching. 
And as believers, we understand that blessing comes when our inside world, we get our heart and our mind set right because we know that God's eye is on us. It's interesting that Jesus says in this statement that we can truly see God when we're pure hearted. I wonder if it's because we understand that we understand that God is actually watching us. We see God because we know his eye is on us. In other words, walking with um, sincerity or purity means walking securely and protected. Proverbs 10.9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Jesus is calling us to live pure-hearted. Amen? couple more. Number seven is to strive to bring peace. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Nelson Mandela once said, it takes a long time to make peace and a short time to make tension. Wherever you find tension, you must make peace. Great wisdom from Mandela, huh? Someone who understood what it was to make peace. It's important to note that making peace requires us to not step away necessarily from conflict. Jesus doesn't say here, blessed are the peacekeepers. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. There's a big difference between keeping peace and making peace. Amen? Sometimes making peace requires that we step in to the conflict, extend mercy, yes, but we also work through what the issues are in order to make peace. You know, um, the message translation says you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of to compete or to fight. Jesus ultimately came, Paul tells us in Colossians, to make peace. God came to the earth in Jesus to make peace for all. And that's the same ministry that Jesus is calling these people sitting um, on the side of the mountain that day and to us, to the same ministry, to be peace. Makers. We are peacemakers, not peacekeepers. I wonder what kind of presence you bring when you walk into a room. Do you bring peace into the room? To be a peacemaker means that you bring peace, um, not anxiety or concern or worry, but instead you bring and usher in the blessing of God into that situation. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says, for they will be called children of God. Wow. Peace isn't just something we do, but it's who we are. We are peacemakers. The last and final attitude is to release expectations and expect criticism. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. <laughs> How blessed. Doesn't sound very good, does it? But the truth is all of the previous seven attitudes are to do with righteousness, right standing, right living. Right acting, right behaving before God and around with others in our life. And Jesus sums all of those previous seven up in this statement, that blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. We might think that pursuing God's way, God's blessed way, the better way of blessing, will mean in peak popularity because we've found the way to live. But how many of you know that often living the way that God asks us to often attracts criticism from people around us? Amen? I mean, Jesus himself lived these and embodied these beautiful attitudes and it resulted in his death upon a cross. The truth is there is great blessing in living this way. 
because we know that God is with us. Jesus says, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Jesus is with us always. Jesus promises to be with his persecuted church at all times by his spirit. For theirs, he says, the righteous, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, I've often found that living this way with righteousness, living with in right standing and, and in right acting, living out these attitudes of God, while it attracts criticism in the beginning from others, I've found that it actually wins people over in the end. Um, like I said earlier, I'm a sports chaplain um, at Perth Football Club. And, you know, the amount of times that the guys will come up to me in the beginning, they call me the Rev and, you know, give me a whole bunch of stick for being a Christian. But over time, as I've acted consistently and tried to live out these values, I can't tell you the amount of players that will come up and say, you know what, there's something different about you. There's something different about how you live. I can't believe how you just expend mercy when people tease you. I can't ex- believe how you make peace in the midst of conflict in the club. Just love having you around. It's interesting, isn't it? That while we might expect criticism in some ways, when we consistently live this way, I believe that it attracts the blessing of God and that blessing of God actually flows out to the people around us. It changes the world around us. And that's exactly what Jesus has been getting at in these attitudes. He's saying to all those people on the mountainside 2,000 years ago that if they lived this way, They would change not only their world, but the world around them. That living the blessed way isn't just blessing for us. We aren't just beneficiaries of blessing. We're bearers of it. We carry the blessing of God. We carry His seal, the Spirit of God in all that we do, in all that we say, in all of how we live. And this is the same call to us today, to live for God, to live a blessed way. So you're blessed when, number one, you're desperate for God. You weep over your condition when you're content with who you are, when you hunger for God. You're blessed when you receive forgiveness and give mercy. You're blessed when you're completely sincere. You're blessed when you're a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. You're blessed when you pursue righteousness despite criticism. This, my friends, is the way of blessing that Jesus calls us to live in. His promise is this, is that when we live this way, we experience joy and contentment and happiness. We... Um, we witness beauty in the midst of challenges, in the midst of ashes. We find joy in the midst of mourning. We know the love, the grace, the peace, and the presence of God always. This blessing doesn't just flow to us, but it's meant to flow through us. Amen? We're meant to live blessed and bless those around us. Bless those who persecute you because of the kingdom of heaven. For yours is the kingdom, Jesus says. So despite the storm you're in, the challenge you're in, I want to encourage you that you're on the right side of the ledger. You can live a blessed life, regardless of what's happening around you. It's not about what happens to you, it's how you respond in the midst of it. And I want to remind you and encourage you today that you are blessed by God. Can you say amen? Let me pray for you this morning. God, just thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your blessing that Jesus so beautifully articulated all those years ago on the side of a mountain. We thank you that your word is living and alive, God. And so 
whatever I've shared today, whatever came from your word, whatever lands on healthy and good soil, God, would you just grow something new from that? Help us to live out um, a different way this week. Maybe it's making peace rather than keeping it. Maybe it's being uh, a bit more sincere, um, having our inside and outside match up. God, maybe it's just extending forgiveness to someone who's wronged us. Or Lord, maybe it's just being hungry and desperate for more of you. God, whatever it is for each person this morning, may we all take a step towards you today. May we take a step towards living in your blessed life, to living your way, your pattern of life, Jesus. We want to follow you as our example and our model. So help us with that, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Thanks so much for having me, everyone. Uh, Over to the team.